0: just out on the Hackney Marshes. By we, I mean me and Mr. Binks. I should just clarify that uh, Mr. Binks isn't my boyfriend, but he is my English toy, Terrier. And we're heading back now to chat to Greg Von Prague. He's the founder of Benefit Natural, and we're gonna be talking about raw food feeding, a subject that I really love. I'm Anna Webb, welcome to A Dog's Life. hi Greg good
1: morning Anna or well, good afternoon even
0: <laughs> oh, thanks so much for joining me on uh, a dog's life today
1: no, It's my absolute pleasure um I, I, I've seen a couple of your other podcasts i sorry I've listened to a couple of the, of your other podcasts and I um, was quite intrigued and delighted when you invited me on
0: oh that's so cool well you know um feeding is uh, a subject that's very close to my heart as a natural nutritionist and the funny thing is Back in 2002, when I got Molly, my first miniature bull terrier, it was really hard to feed raw. But her breeder insisted I needed to find some raw green tripe in London and feed her on that. But back then, there were only two suppliers in the UK that were pretty hard to to locate, I have to say. And the thing is, do you think a shift, Greg, has happened since that landmark pet food scandal of 2007? Do you think that was the catalyst to bring in some change?
1: Um, I I think that's a very interesting question. Um, I'm not sure that um, there is a specific sort of date, year trigger um, in relation to or event, should I say, in relation to the Surge in, in natural feeding um, and raw feeding specifically, or fresh feeding, however you want to look at it. Um, I think that what has happened is we've seen a general shift um, in humans' own dietary requirements, our own understanding of our own uh, microbiome and microbiota. I think of our own gut health and so on and so forth, and how that's impacted on the human landscape has now effectively cascaded down into our pets because that is the order of things so I think that the um, humanization of our pets um, and because they are you know very very close to our hearts um, and sometimes I've liked our pet our animals more than I've liked members of my family <laughs> um, to be totally honest with you. Um, so you know I think that you know what we're seeing is that we wish to be able to put the best foot forward for our animals for our companions for our fur babies uh whatever you want to call them um you know as pet parents and so i think that what's happening is we're sort of going okay well look, let's look a little bit further into what it is um is this the best for them is this the best for, for what they need to thrive on
0: absolutely um but when you launched benefit natural um do you think you took a bit of a risk in a way when you consider that the pet food market that is worth literally billions globally, um, and approximately 80% of all those billions is comprised of processed brands, I mean still today, um, why, why were you brave to take the big launch to launch a raw brand and fly in the face of the processed market share?
1: Um, well, we, we didn't really set out to do that, <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think it's,
1: it's, is, the, is the honest answer. Um, we, we, we as, as a family, got into raw feeding because um, we had working gun dogs. We were looking to ensure that they were in the top physical condition. So it was a nutritional perspective that we, we followed um, to make sure that they were better out there and, and being able to field trial better and win more field trialing awards. So we came into raw feeding from a nutritional perspective to ultimately look for the most biologically appropriate uh, and sustainable feeds. Stuff for our animals that made them perform the way they needed them to perform. And you know, even if you're looking at that as a byproduct, then what we found out was you know, they did have you know, smaller stalls, shinier coat, healthier teeth, you know, um, were happier, you know, uh, as dogs. And so that's where we ended up, how we started in raw food. We started producing our own recipes at home. We started feeding them to our own dogs. Those dogs were thriving, they were doing very, very well indeed. They were winning more open field trials the next thing you know one of our sort of you know doggy friends is saying hey you know what are you feeding your dogs and we said, well we're making this stuff at home said, well look you know can I have some I'm like, yeah, mm. okay sure uh and then you know a few weeks later someone sort of went oh so-and-so is buying your food can I buy some and oh actually I've got a mate that runs a pet shop and he quite likes some as well uh and at that point we all of a went oh right well we need to probably start putting it in a tub right and doing this and doing that and and, and making sure you know that, that, that we're meeting all the necessary guidelines and, and I suppose at that point is when Benefit Natural was born um that was when we really kind of you know decided actually you know there are people out there that, that, that want this food uh there are people that would it would suit um, and I think that we had an interesting spin on taking what what we wanted which was a home prepared diet and all of the qualities of a home-prepared diet in, in as much as sourcing you know, the very best and the very freshest and the very highest-end raw ingredient with the highest animal welfare and ethical um, credentials and making that at home and then making that available to, to the consumer. So that is what we covered through. And, and also the simplicity of it, the fact that what we wanted really was a product that you could dish out that would be complete and nutritionally balanced and you wouldn't have to necessarily... You know, supplement with this, supplement with that. Um, you know, and you could have a product that was very, very easy to use. Um, if you were a beginner to raw feeding, then you know, you know, you didn't really have to do a lot. You didn't have to make sure you had your ten percent you your X amount of offal, and your X amount of this, that, and the other. This is something that you could get to if you believed in this particular feeding strategy. You could come and get a product that was all done for you, um, and at that point, you can then just put it straight into the into the um, into into the fridge and get it out and serve it up to your dog.
0: I and mean, I love it. So many people. I was having a conversation only yesterday. You know, Anna, I can't deal with this raw. You know, I'm too busy normally, and and it's just such a faff. And I said, what on earth is the faff about simply getting something that's frozen out of your freezer and thawing it overnight in the fridge, and then putting it into your dog's bowl the next day? You know, and he and um, actually, I have to say, I, I think yesterday I have converted them, and and that's a, a strange way of putting it, Greg. You know how feeding raw over the years, because I have to say, you know, I I was feeding raw to Molly back in 2002, and that came from... being brought up in a family who understood what dogs were, which is mm-hmm. carnivores. So as a child, you know, um, my dad sort of handled all the dog food, actually, we'd boil up lamb's hearts. So they weren't actually mm. raw, but it was very much uh, a lump of uh, grizzly meat, you know, that I understood the dog had to eat because dogs ate meat. Um, yeah. and, and it seems that people's opinions are not only confused, I think, by flashy packaging um, of, the, of, of many other brands but also by their own ethics be it whether they're a vegetarian which you know I am I'm a vegetarian but I would never dream of making my dog a vegetarian Um, and I think sometimes people's own ethics get confused without truly understanding the the physiology of a dog's digestive system.
1: We have a responsibility and a duty of care as pet parents um, to I believe put the best quality food that you can into your animal right? Um, and your pet companion and your and your friend. And, and you want that companion to be with you for as long as possible. Now, um, I think that, you know, there are many different schools of thought on how you should and shouldn't feed your, your pet. And there's lots of different um, options out there for consumers. And I think from a manufacturing standpoint, I think the manufacturers need to be transparent and honest about um, how they're developing the product and what they're putting in it. Um, and I think labelling guidelines and, and everything with, you know, working with you know, the likes of Trading Standards and the, and the Food Standards Agency and the BfMA and, and all of these and Fediac as well, you know, from a, from a regular, the regulatory perspective, all of that needs to be on there. Um, I think the consumer needs further education um, about what labelling means. I think there are a lot of myths around labelling. I think uh, those are areas that are... You know constantly up for debate, and I think the clarity will come because I think the consumer themselves will demand clarity around you know what is going into you know not only their own foods but into their pet foods so um I, I see this as as a as a change um, in the way that we as manufacturers develop products um, I think they'll also be tightening up and clarifying around what terminology is allowed to be used as well um you know, I think that there are various nuances around marks and claims that can be used on any kind of packaging. And now I'm not talking about pets specifically. I'm talking about any um, any fMCG product. Right. so I think that you know I think that you know that, that I think around around the, the, if your question is around you know so sort of labeling and, and what what is there and what isn't there, then I think that generally everybody's getting a lot better and a lot tighter on it. I think the period possibly in the past, people didn't really understand when you say to someone animal derivative. What does that mean, you know? Um, and, and I think that that's one of the key things is, is that you could say that raw is made from animal derivatives because it is, because you're using meat bone and offal. So you're using category three animal byproducts. Uh, and when you call it a byproduct, then people go, oh, that all sort of sounds like you're sort of scraping stuff up to our floor. No, that's not true. But when you're buying your GC steak, you know, um, you know that's cut up in a nice piece uh, in, in the supermarket, that actually came off an actual beast. Yeah. um and, and there's the other and there's the other bits of that beast so for me i mean when you're looking at raw food uh you know raw food is essentially quite a sustainable option um, because we obviously are producing meat for the human food chain we're taking or certainly at benefit natural what we're doing is we're taking that that um that human grade product uh when it arrives with us obviously it's it's an animal byproduct and then we're using that to make you know the best quality pet food that we can
0: but what about people not really understanding you know if they do look at the ingredients on a packet you know and they might see um a lot of barley in the ingredients or rice Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. even wheat or you know certain things like beet pulp crops up quite a bit um you know do you think people understand that a dog's digestive system is actually what i reckon is the most different thing between dogs and humans that there is you know for me it's not that they walk on four feet and are covered in fur that's not the main difference the main difference for me is their digestive system because their digestive system is that of a carnivore rather mm. than that of an omnivore which is mm. what our digestive system is so in terms of plants you know barley barley is something that you generally give to a herbivore isn't it to a horse
1: yeah so absolutely and and um and 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 and, and omnivores um you know omnivores eat barley um, yeah
0: i mean no, we, I've i, mean, I, I do oh, yeah no, same here <laughs> i've had it <laughs> I,
1: I, I had it last week uh we are on lockdown so i did actually make we are sort of going through all of our legumes that are in the cupboard Um <laughs> yes. uh, so. well look
0: at muesli muesli is very good for a human you know absolutely I, I think um
1: i mean look to to i suppose if the question is um are and this is maybe for, for more towards sort of vegetarians and vegans, are people then going out and going, well, I'm a vegan. So are they a mutualist? I suppose what you're talking about is... Yeah, so, that's what I mean. So look, yeah. say I
0: was a vegetarian that really couldn't bring yeah. myself to look at a piece of meat and yeah. I fed my dog on a, a vegetarian processed diet. Because, um, you know... Um, then I would be putting my ethics onto my dog and not sure. being considerate to my dog, or technically ethical, uh, because my dog wouldn't be fed appropriately to be a healthy healthy animal.
1: Yeah, in my book, yeah, that would be a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: um,
1: but, you yeah. know, and that's no sort of official sort of. That's my own personal opinion. Because I, I mean, you have to look in the dog's mouth, you know, and then you look in a cow's mouth. Exactly. And you see two very different things. Um, you know, your dog's got very sharp ripping and tearing teeth and so on and so forth. And, and your cow's got sort of, you know, flat, munchy-munchy kind of molars and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I think you, you, you don't need to be, um, you know... Einstein. Or, or Einstein, <laughs> yeah, or, or a rocket scientist, um, you know, to, to to think, well, actually, hold on, you know, this 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 dog generally you know, will eat a high in protein, high in meat diet, you know, um, and probably thrive on that. Um, I think that, you know, we have to obviously be always be tempering this whole kind of chat about, you know, um, you know, your dog being a gray wolf. Well, it is, but your cockapoo is a long way away from a wolf. Um, yeah, I get and that. we have and we have domesticated dogs, you know, significantly. So, you know, the, the, they, they won't necessarily be um, need to be fed on on that sort of very strong prey model. Listen, malamute hunting dogs, all that kind of stuff. You know, I would be more you know inclined to saying yes, absolutely. You know, biologically appropriate prey prey style diets great for those sort of animals. Um, but again, it, I, I, the thing about the beauty for me about raw feeding is that it doesn't matter what the breed is, it doesn't matter what the breed is, it doesn't matter the size of the dog. Um, you know, you can put out a food that will work for them. Uh, and I think that you know, with all of the the dogs that are, are coming up with with huge amounts of ailments and issues and allergies, and you know, we're talking a lot of atopic dermatitis in dogs. Um, we're talking a lot of pancreatitis. We're talking a lot of you know, and this this a lot of these can be sort of put back to you know obesity and these other things. Is that we've got to say, well, look, you know, what is it that combats obesity? Well, com- what combats obesity is is low glucose and and high protein um yes, and it, well you know, it's a bit uh, like on,
0: on a human level surely greg you know we're being now as you mentioned earlier encouraged not to eat processed foods we're encouraged <laughs> for our five a day on the basis that the nhs you know is overrun with cases now of diabetes heart disease and and of course arthritis is promoted by eating the wrong type of foods and and we're seeing that now in dogs um uh you know in the last 10 years diabetes in dogs which once upon a time didn't exist at all it's now has now gone up by another 70 percent so and that's because of course diabetes and obesity are very closely related but why do you think if you feed raw you're less likely to have the obesity issues than if you were to feed on a on a heavy grain based uh kibble type processed food
1: um i, I think when you see when you see diets that are that are heavily formulated you know using lots of lots of grain etc I mean that that sort of complex carbohydrate' pretty much going to go in one end of your dog and out the other, so you know in the in the dog's gut, you know when you're putting in uh meat um it's processed you know much quicker uh, it goes through the dog, and obviously there's a lot of moisture there as well, yeah, so I think that when you're putting a lot of these grain diets into dogs, what you're seeing is you're seeing then them eating a lot of, sorry eating a lot of sort of dried dried foodstuffs and then they're drinking a lot of water because they're quite thirsty uh, and that's then expanding the sort of kibbles inside their stomachs and stuff and then that's kind of kind of ending up coming out the other end and and, and obviously you know the, the level of, of nutrition i mean the way i always kind of look at it is is if you took a a floretta broccoli right so you know you've got a floretta broccoli you can cook it three different ways you could boil it in some water and you're probably going to get you know next to no nutritional value from it you could steam it and you'll probably get 60 to 70 percent nutritional value from it and then you can eat it raw and you'll get a hundred percent of the nutritional value from it. Yeah so, I like that. <laughs> so, so, so you know um, when it comes down to trying to get um, high levels of nutrition you know into our dogs the right nutrition um, i.e you know the necessary vitamins, irons uh, and minerals that that, that, that our, our four-legged friends need to thrive then you know, is not not a good way to have something that is as simply processed uh, as possible to give them the maximum value uh, on a nutritional level um, that they can get into them that is also t- tasty and, and also, again, is, is not hugely processed. I think they're the kind of key things um, yeah. that I would say on that.
0: Well, it's like, uh, if you are what you eat, you know, uh, that expression, you know, I I think sometimes people... Don't get what it means, but it means, you know, we're trillions of cells, aren't we, Greg? And every single cell has to function at um, its optimum form, optimum health. And of course, um, food, as it transfers through the gut wall, it actually supplies all of these trillions of cells with nutrition and ATP to be brilliant rather than being sickly. So um, I guess, really, yes. So raw food does transfer its bioavailable, whereas, of Course, foods that have been heavily processed or arguably aren't the right ingredients in the first place for a dog to eat might not actually be so bioavailable and might not nourish all those cells. What do you think that? Yeah, good? I mean, listen,
1: I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, you've said it in a much more scientific and succinct way than me, obviously.
0: Well, I don't know about scientific, <laughs> I don't think I'm a scientist. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 you know, it's, um, I, I, I think,
1: I think you know, I think, um, uh, as we said you know coming back to my sort of very janet and john and quite simple sort of analogy about the broccoli um you you know what what we're essentially doing is we're saying okay how can we get optimum and maximum nutrition into into our into our pets um you know in the most sort of or the best way or or one of the best ways i mean there's all sorts of format coming i mean Look at freeze-dried, for example, which I think is is a really great thing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm really excited by the freeze-dried. Are, are you
0: excited about that, Greg? I, yeah, I, I, am, I, I right. really I mean, but like well, what the about the moisture? The moisture in that, or the lack of moisture in freeze-dried does concern mm. me a little bit. It does concern me, I've got to say.
1: Yeah, but I think, I think that when you're looking at, the, you know, when you're looking at, look, what, what are we trying to do? We're trying to encourage people to get fresh into the bowl. Um... We're trying to encourage uh, topping. You know, we know that dogs like a bit of crunch. We know, from what we've seen, that that, that uh, freeze dried product does seem to be highly palatable. You know, um, and you know, you're locking in. You are locking in the goodness. Like the process is there. I think the you know how, how this is now you know activated and got into the hands of, of, of the consumer is a different thing. But I. I like. I, I like. Listen, this is me personally. Like G, Greg Van Prague, you know, I like the concept. I like the innovation of freeze-dried, mm. um, because I understand the challenges that some people have around fresh and frozen. That that's what we've got to. You we know, need be mindful. Of. I mean, especially in 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 these challenging times that we're seeing COVID-19. We're seeing people, you know, potentially having a lot of compromised immune system um and, and all that kind of thing you know if someone rang me up you know tomorrow and said yeah hey i really want to feed your food and i and we did our very we so we every every new customer that we talk to you know we have a uh, an onboarding process that we use which you know uh, you know we ask the key questions about them we ask the key questions about family members you know this is not to hold this information but this is to just sort of get an understanding and a general picture um about them and if someone was telling me that you know they had a member of their family that had potentially you know an extremely compromised immune system i would potentially i would be you know cautioning them about how they use their raw food
0: right and so where they use it Okay, so you'd really suggest that a dog should eat a sterile, uh, dry, powdery meal every single day of its life. Imagine, Greg, your Sunday roast dinner.
1: Let me, stop you there. let me just stop you there for a minute. That's not what I said, at all, <laughs> actually. No, what I said is that I said if someone had a compromised immune system, I would be counselling them around feeding raw and also ensuring that they were taking the necessary precautions to feed raw food.
0: Absolutely. Is I, well, is is no, I, never, I never, I never, okay. I never
1: said, I never said that
0: okay. for the record. Okay. Apologies, apologies. But how are you finding Greg, the, the veterinary market then on raw, you know, because I, I hear what you're saying where you're going there. There is a lot of myth, isn't there? That, Oh my God, if I put some raw food into my fridge next to, you know, my human, food i'm going to get something like e-coli um severe food poisoning um you know i'm going to i might die you know um which is a bit dramatic. um now having federal since 2002 as uh, on my own as a grown-up in my own fridge and everything yep. I, I have to say touch wood you know i've never actually had anything wrong with me touch wood touch wood mm-hmm. um so and it was funny wait i think it was in 2004 actually molly was at the vet my first municipal terrier and the vet then said so I know, you know the routine questions. What do you feed her on? And I said, Well, I feed her on uh, raw, actually, and raw green tripe's her favourite. And it was funny. He he Pretty much passed out. Um, when he came around, um, you know, I was a bit worried about him for a minute, had to help him off the floor. I'm joking. Um, he sort of said, Well, for heaven's sake, why are you feeding that? You know, do you know what it is? Um, and I said, Yes, I do actually, and um, I'm feeding mommy that because she is a dog. You know, now I know that, um, that many vets you know are not keen on raw some are and I think it depends on the individual vets those vets that have an awareness of you are what you eat uh, and have an interest in nutrition themselves as humans are way more likely to actually have the raw food freezers in in their shops that vets Mm -hmm. will have now you know Mm -hmm. I mean back in the day in James Herriot's day vets didn't sell products they were just vets but of course that's evolved as time's gone on and now vets are almost more just a, a subsidiary to their actual shop full of lovely accessories and leads and food and beds and so on. So the veterinary market, because that touches into the fridge issue and some of the myths that do um, surround raw food. Um, Could you sort of uh, uh, demystify some of those myths, Greg? Uh,
1: Yeah, I'm not a vet, (laughs) Uh, first and foremost. I have have never worked in a vets practice, but obviously have had lots and lots of exposure to vets over the years um i think that veterinary practices of course um are businesses like any other and so they need to um understand where they can make revenue um and i'd say i think that you know there are a lot of things that goes on that go on in vet practices which uh which are, which are great and, and you know if they wish to sell food then that's entirely up to them i think that what we're seeing around raw specifically is we're seeing that i think Because over the last, say, decade, right, where, um, you know, raw food has become more prevalent, I would say, over the last decade, we are seeing some changes happening um, around, uh, I hate to use the word modern vets, but I suppose newly qualified vets Mm. who, you know, are aware of the anecdotal evidence and also are aware on the positive papers that are out there. to to raw feeding Um, I think we've got a lot of anecdotal evidence of of real positive cases where changing a feeding strategy for a particular animal or a companion animal um, has been helped Um, so you know you've got that anecdotal evidence you've probably got anecdotal evidence on the other side from from vets who are going well you know that's my fourth dog in over the last month that's got a compacted gut because they're filled up with with bone and, and there's too much bone in a, in a, in a, diet or someone's, you know, being at home, uh, making a home prepared diet for their dog. Um, and it's lacking in certain, uh, essential, uh, minerals and and nutrition. So I think there's sort of both sides to every coin. I think it's getting better. I think that, you know, vets generally, um, are beginning to embrace the raw food movement. I think the Raw Feeding Veterinary Society, um, headed up by Brendan uh, and Nick Thompson and Morag and, and all of those guys are, are doing a really, really great job. Um, yeah. at um, You know, reaching out to the key stakeholders in, in, other, in other veterinary circles um, and, and sharing with them the information and the knowledge that they've got and they have. And, and not only anecdotal, but actually you know, peer-reviewed papers as well. And continuing the dialogue going that that you know manufacturers are getting much much better um at um manufacturers are getting much much better at you know producing you know pet foods raw pet foods commercially available raw pet foods, and I think that also the market is beginning to mature slightly um and that coupled you know with the fact that you know vets are being given you know, good quality information and training by manufacturers, you know, if you can get a manufacturer in there, um, then, you know, we are debunking a lot of these myths and, and we are of going out there and saying look, you know, this is, this product is all tested in line with all of the different, you know, registration and so on and so forth. So that's all kind of covered off. Um, also what we've got is we've got a complete nutritionally balanced food. Here is the analysis in relation to FedEA. You know, it's labeled very, very clearly. Um, so, you know, your, your consumer, your customer um, can, can purchase this product and can feed it to their dog perfectly, perfectly happily and healthily. You know, what we do is we constantly counsel um, best practice in the home when handling raw food, you know, so you can make sure you wash down all your utensils, wash down the area using with hot soapy water and, you know, all the same things that you should really be doing when you're cooking your roast chicken on a Sunday. Uh, sure, if you're eating,
0: absolutely. Uh,
1: <laughs> if you're eating chicken or whatever it is, uh, or, or, or whatever, or even sausages or, or what have you. So, you know, I think, you know, we've got, to, we've got to kind of cover off those elements as well. But I think my, my hope and my, and my view currently is that um, the veterinary services are becoming more progressive and becoming more open towards um, alternative um feeding strategies not always just tried and tested it's this this is what it does
0: Exactly. No, exactly. And um, well, my experience of working um, with holistic vets or my journey with Molly uh, to Richard Allport uh, as one of the the leading uh, holistic vets in in the UK, you know, um, he often will just prescribe a dog to go onto a raw food diet. um, And, you know, very often that will cure the problem um, that the owner took the dog to Richard for in the first place. Mm. It's certainly really worth thinking about to really think about you know what you are feeding your dog my question to you though greg as well i've noticed with uh benefit you know i mean i may as well go hands up here i i do (laughs) feed my own dogs on benefit (laughs) yeah you know that you know (laughs) that i'm a fan of raw green tripe and i've got to say i love your raw green tripe i love it because of its uh gorgeous springy texture which might make some listeners right now kind of go but you know tripe I love it because it is such an elixir for dogs isn't it um Mm. it's a very simple ingredient it's not very expensive because another myth of course around the raw food aspect is I'm never going to afford to feed my dog on meat you know I can barely Mm. afford to eat meat for myself however that's those two questions here actually that that's not always the case in fact raw can work out Cheaper than feeding um, some processed brands, right, Greg? Sure.
1: Look, I mean, I, I, there's, there's always a spread, right? Um, there's a spread of, of, of cost and, and, and what have you. I, um, you know, I can't speak for anybody else. I'm going to speak for myself, um, but, you know, we're probably not the cheapest. Um, and I think, you know, that really is down to our, you know, where we originally set our stall out. If we sort of come back into earlier in our conversation around, you know, the sourcing of the raw ingredient. Mm. Um, you know, I think you, you can probably see that you can buy, you can buy different cuts of any animal.
0: Thank you so much for today and this chat. And uh, yeah, hopefully it's food for thought.
1: Absolutely. And listen, if anybody's got any questions or anybody sort of feels, you know, they, they've got anything they want to add or they want to reach out to me directly, you can either do it on LinkedIn, uh, Greg Van Prague. Uh, or you can write into Benefit Natural at info at benefit, B-E-N-Y-F-I-T, natural.co.uk. Um, and I'm sure it will find its way to me. And then I will be more than happy to respond to any questions, queries, or anyone got any comments they want to make. So, yeah. Thanks Fantastic. very much to you, Anna, for hosting such a great great chat.
0: Well, thank you, Greg. And um, we'll speak very soon. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, what Greg was saying about raw green tripe, it really does make so much sense. And you love a little bit of raw green tripe. <laughs> I hope you all found it interesting. If you did, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your favourite shows. And while you're there, go on, give us a five-star review. It really will help other dog owners find us. Also, thanks to Mike Hansen, Sophie Bradley and Cookie for all of your help. And to you, Mr Binks you know just for being you what's that yep there will be another episode of a dog's life coming very soon so why don't you subscribe now and you'll never miss another show bye for now